Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today, we got Baz on the podcast. Yes, sir. And so, okay, Baz, not Baz, which is how I've been always saying it every time I see your name in my head for all these years. Yeah, it happens. I've heard I've heard a few iterations. Mm. But Baz, yep. I feel like I'm just inclined to do more of like an eh sound than like an ah sound for whatever reason. Like, I don't know what that is. Like, that I just kind of grew up with that being like the default way of saying the A sound. Yeah, I mean, my, my real name is Abbas. Oh, okay. And, and the dude at Chick-fil-A yesterday called me Abbas. <laughs> so you're doing all right. I mean, do you have to deal with that constantly, though? Like, if you go to Starbucks and do an order, do you, do you what, you just I, write I just B-A-S? pick fake, fake names now. Really? Well, yeah, sometimes I'm Fred, sometimes I'm Mark. I make it easy for them. I respect that. Because people constantly mispronounce my last name and my girl's name. And at a certain point, it's not like... I'm not trying to educate the yeah, world. Like, I'm just getting iced coffee. <laughs> yeah, just give Man, it to it's me. Not that serious. I'm gonna make this as easy as possible for you, <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so uh, do you have a new album coming out, or are you just sort of doing press in relationship to uh, the the single that's out? Yeah, you know, I do have an album coming, but it's really all about the single right now. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because when I heard that you were down to do an interview, I was like, oh, damn, all right, interesting. He's going to have a new project and listen to that. And then when I go on Spotify, the most recent project was like 2018. Right. Yeah. You know, I've been doing, um, at least for my fan base, like I'm known for my albums and like cohesive bodies of work. And I'm, you know, I'm proud of that. But I was just challenging myself this year. Like, all right, like, you know, what is what is the next frontier mm-hmm. I'm trying to conquer? I'm like, damn, I want some some smashes. I want some hits. Right. So I've just been lining a few of those up. Interesting. Do you still see, like, the value in an album? Because just for instance, I was uh, interviewing Hobson the other day, and, I mean, he ain't put out an album since, like, 2017, but he drops music videos that'll get 20 million views all the time. And he just, even though he's super capable as an artist like he, and, and totally capable of like thematically putting an album together he just ended up feeling like the fans don't really care about the album format so much i think you know what consumption kind of changed all of that mm. I've, obviously like as an artist that's still like your baby is like putting these projects together and, and putting your growth into like this one concise body of work mm. um and i still want to do that for myself and my fans but you know, you got to look at the landscape a bit. And it's almost nowadays, like, you put out your album and it's like the, the end of the, the buzz train. You know mm. what I mean? Um, it's crazy how things change because now people, even albums are being carried by singles. Like, people are doing crazy numbers, but it's really, like, two or three songs that are just getting streamed nonstop. You feel me? Right. Um, so it definitely changed the landscape. But for me, I guess it's just, like, a like a personal bone to, bone to pick. Like, 
I got to make sure the album's tight. Definitely. But, like, if you're really thinking about kind of just doing singles this year or whatever, like, does that change the recording process? Because, like, there's a lot of songs that you probably make that you, you would never think would work as a single. This is the album track. This is a song that I care about, that I respect, that I'm doing just for the art of it. And maybe it'll make a great song 14, but it's not going to be, you know, the song that we want to spend all this money doing a video for or whatever. Right. Um, it depends what point, because I started working on this album probably like before even quarantine started. Mm. And then I caught a big chunk of it just locked in, you know, isolating myself pretty much. And I got real, I think I discovered the body of what the album was going to be. You know, and then the singles, I didn't start doing until later. Like I just did the Jackie um, in May when I was working on the off season with Cole. Mm-hmm. And that just came about in one of those sessions, you know. And so it's just like, if you know what your album sounds like, it makes it easier to then craft singles that mold and fit into that sonic landscape. Mm. Did uh, did COVID simplify your life and turn you into just like a studio rat and you didn't have to balance all the other stuff that you're normally doing? It did. It gave me a lot of time to be with family. Mm. You know what I mean? My nephews, I flew my parents out here for like four or five months. They was just kicking it. Mm. Um, and then, you know, prior to that, I was on the road since like 20. 13 or something you know like six seven months out the year right on road so me and the homies were joking like i take that like once a decade low-key you know without the pandemic right but if we just had like six months off it just kind of regroup with this delta man it kind of makes you wonder if it's coming back around i really hope not man <laughs> that, would, that would fuck a lot of shit up for real definitely but uh yeah i don't know like when i think about dreamville like hypothetically i kind of imagine y'all like Posted up in the studio and not really socializing I'll as much outside, as some rappers. Though. You do, okay. I'll be outside for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that important? That's a part of the process. You just it need is, some life experience. Sure. It is for sure. Yeah, like I do a lot of traveling. You know, regularly. Um, I like to, you know, just be in the clubs, feel the energy. Mm. It inspires you. It lets you know even as much as like what Sonics are working. You know what I mean? You might lead a club like, damn, like, my hi-hat's not bright enough, mm. you know, uh, my 808's not fat enough. Whatever the case may be, you kind of got to stay. I feel like you need to stay in tune, at least with the Sonics. And then, you know, artistically, you can get a lot more across if the Sonics are right because, you know, otherwise the kids ain't trying to hear that shit. Mm. But do you feel like even as, like, a grown-ass man that's been rapping for a long-ass time and I feel like probably a lot of your fans are – very lyrical rap fans that want to hear good rapping and sincerity and, you know, interesting topics and shit like that. I mean, as a rapper, do you, you still kind of get caught up in the rat race of having to keep the kids happy to a certain extent? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we're still in the music business. You know what I mean? You're making your songs. I think that's the art in it, honestly. The art isn't just you expressing yourself freely. I hate to sound like, you know, but... The art is is presenting that in a way that's palatable mm. to people. And, you know, hopefully as many people as you can get it across to. That's interesting because, like, I feel like a lot of rap fans, or at least maybe when I was younger, I think now people aren't even pretending that this is any other way. But, like, when I was younger, it felt like rappers who did anything to be more commercial or change their style up for commercial reasons it was always looked down upon. Whereas now... I mean, when you have a conversation with, like, a rap fan about where a rapper's at in their career, I mean, it, it feels like the default is to talk about how they're doing commercially, commercially, not how they're doing artistically, you know? Right. 
Like, everybody judges themselves that's, on that standard now. Yeah, it's kind of been – I mean, yeah. Because even, like, the consumption numbers are in front of you every day. Like, you mm-hmm. click Spotify. It's like you got this many streams on this song, this many monthly listeners, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. It's hard for people to, you know, differentiate those things. Definitely. But, yeah, I mean, I guess I uh, – you know, the the – the success of the music is like impossible to separate from the art itself. So, yeah, I, I feel think that. that's the goal is like to, to, to get that success in a way where you don't feel like you're compromising yourself or your artistic integrity. Right. And, you know, like I said, that's where the art is to me. But like artistically on this new single, it feels like you have kind of like changed your style up. It's more singy. It's less like straight rapping was that a conscious choice my last album milky way was starting to explore melodies a lot more Mm. um and even like just a a brighter sound and then um i did this record with fkj french kiwi juice called risk pretty recently um another one with with gal matias who's a producer artist out of denmark where my style's been kind of growing more melodic Mm. over the years as is you know so um I'm sure to my fan base, they don't feel out of pocket. To someone who might just be like, you know, Dreamville-centric, it might be like, okay, you know, this don't sound like a Dreamville record, but that ain't necessarily my goal, you know? Mm. My goal is to make boss records. I mean, but is that is there pressure associated with that? Because Dreamville, like, as a, a brand, it's like, you know, I think about, like, G-Unit to me when I was 18 – if they had put out a G-Unit rapper who wasn't gangster, it would have been confusing. And if, <laughs> if Dreamville, you know, as a Dreamville artist or somebody who's so closely attached to Cole, a big chunk of your fan base probably expects you to to follow a certain style, right? Yeah, I think so. But I also think that's what's made me unique, you know, amongst our set. As far as my sound, I grew up even the things I listened to growing up were, you know, I have four older siblings they are playing me like, Jamiroquai and Daft Punk and, you know, like UK Garage, all a like real Eurocentric sound, mm. you know, um, a lot of West African music. So I even have on my last album, I have like two records that are like South African house. Mm. You feel me? So I think because it's not out the blue, because I've been even my very first mixtape, my intro, I, I ripped the Jamiroquai beat off YouTube mm. and I rapped on that, you know. So from Jump, I've been training my fan base from that regard of like there's really no box that i want to be put in Mm. yeah sometimes do you feel like there's a risk and like you know sometimes i feel like spotify is sort of like flattened the sound where it's like everybody's just sort of incentivized to sound the same and risk taking is not rewarded as much and everything which is kind of a sad state of affairs because i feel like the rappers who are really going to win are the ones who are willing to take artistic leaps and make something that doesn't sound like everything else that's popular right now. But sometimes it feels like the industry is geared in such a way that 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 is just not really prioritized. Yeah. Again, that's a consumption thing. Like playlists, you Mm -hmm. go through the the big playlist that you kind of feel like you're listening to the same record over and over. But what I will say is those artists that do take a chance, you see it when they go on tour. You Mm -hmm. see how quick their tickets blow out. You see how, you know, how quick their their how their albums do look at someone like Tyler you know what I mean mm. like we've seen Tyler's growth every album to like where now he's a top billboard blowing out all his shows type dude you know and it's like if you stay consistent if you keep building that sound they're gonna grow with you and then I feel like there's always that breaking point where we see it just like cross over to the mainstream mm. 
Yeah, Tyler's whole career is pretty shocking when you really think about it because he just has such a hardcore fan base that they're going to follow him whatever genre he wants to touch. Yeah, you know? but even for someone like me who was like casual, like Tyler fan, what some of his earlier stuff, you feel me? Like mm -hmm. some of his later stuff, I feel, is as he's matured as an artist, as a person, as as a producer, now I'm like, oh, damn, this is like, this is the vibe. This is shit like I was growing up on. This remind me of Nerd. It remind me of Pharrell. But it's like, it's new. It's Tyler. It's, it's like a whole new iteration of it. So, you know, it's like hats off to bro. Like, it's hella inspiring. Yeah, I like that he brought it back to the rap shit on this project a lot. Like, I was kind of shocked, mm -hmm. but it also was just, I don't know. It was like a real breath of fresh air after he took another project to do sort of all this experimentation right but Not, the production is still like mm. it's still experimental you know it don't sound like a, a bunch of trap beats you know is is he's experimenting with his sound definitely what's your when you're picking beats or when you're figuring out what you want your project to sound like what's what's the process typically like because it feels like on any of your songs it could kind of go in a million different directions sonically it must be kind of overwhelming picking out the soundtrack yeah i gotta be my a and r you know i think i always know um it's about balance for me. So if I know I have a certain amount of songs that are, you know, doing this like melodically and bright and just make me feel good. At the end of the day, I like to make like real feel good music. Like mm. my shit not sad like that, you know? It's just like, I want to make people feel good. But, um, you know, I'll know like, okay, I need a joint where I'm, where I'm snapping, where I could rap aggressively because the album is lacking that, you know? Mm. Or I need a joint um, maybe that's got more tempo that they could dance to. And then I try to find those records within, like, the sonic landscape of the rest of them joints. Just so, you know, the goal is for people to be able to play your shit through, even even though that's not how music is consumed now. You mm. know, it's like it's a few stars next to the songs, and people are clicking those songs because they see a star next to it. You feel me? Um, but, you know, that's not how I create it. I feel old sometimes when I'm around people, and I put on an album, and I click track one. Yeah. <laughs> let it play. Yeah, that's what, that's it how play. I take it in, bro. Yeah, nah, me too. Me yeah, too. Definitely. Um, I think uh, a lot of people, like, on more of a mainstream level, probably kind of first saw you or first, like, or most recently, like, thought about you in the context of that Down Bad record with, with Young Nudie and shit. And I know, yeah. like, from my perspective, we think of, like, what Young Nudie's doing and what Dreamville's doing as kind of being like on just other opposite sides of hip hop that don't typically overlap. Um, how did that song come about and, and what did you think about, uh, I don't know, the way it all came? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh. I think that was the whole point of Revenge of the Dreamers 3. Mm. It's like, you know, Dreamville's always been kind of, you know, on its own, off to the left, you know, left of industry in, in a sense. And we were like, let's go to Atlanta. Let's link with a bunch of people. Let's bring them to our world. You know, let's let's collaborate. We all got a really open, collaborative process when it comes to creating music. Um, so we were down there, Nudie pulled up. I think he did a couple joints when he came to the sessions, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and Down Bad was just like, I was the one. Right. What do you uh, think of 
street rap in, in general? Like, are you a fan of it? Do you do you sort of look at that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I probably listen, I definitely listen to more street rap than I listen like conscious rap. If I'm keeping it a buck, really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it just gives me energy. Mm. And then I like, you know, I think there's a lot of like creative things they're doing even like the brooklyn drill scene i'm, I'm heavy mm. that's that's what i play like when i'm in my whip really and i'm i'm trying to hear some turn up shit that's you know right. what i mean uh i'm tapping into all of them so yeah i mean well i mean future's like top three to me most influential artists mm. ever if you look at his tree of like you know kind of offspring in a sense mm. you, um, you think that that era of like conscious rap is supposed to be like against street rap or whatever you feel like that's kind of old school and that kids don't think about it that way or do you think your fans think about it that way i would hope not i mean shit kodak to me is a conscious rapper he's a street rapper but he got songs where you're like damn like i, I feel exactly where he's coming from i feel his struggles a lot of uh young boy nba young boy like mm. yeah they're considered street rappers those dudes are conscious as hell if you listen to some of the like the pain and the shit they're putting in their records like i just, i ain't never been through what they've been through right you know what i mean so i'm, I'm getting it through them i'm learning that through them it's crazy because like i just grew up thinking of those as being like completely separate poles and rap like there was to live quality and and the roots and shit and then there's just whatever's going on, on the other side of shit and you would never even hear you know 50 cent or somebody like that like mention the other side of rap is just they didn't really overlap that much and now it feels like that shouldn't exist like there's no reason for that it's kind of like an arbitrary distinction right maybe it's social media because we're like everyone's tapped into each other's lives now too like mm. you're tapped into everything that's going on you know what i mean and i don't think 50 and them had that mm. they probably was just very insulated in whatever world they was in you know but for us it's like you know, if I if I follow a couple accounts, if I follow your account, follow No Jumper, I might see what those dudes are doing or what they're dropping, what they're releasing. Like everything is so connected now mm. that you know you can't really avoid it. And then you'll be like, well, shit, I actually really rock with this dude. For sure. Uh, was there something about Lil TJ in particular that you wanted to have him on the uh, project? Did you I, get it? I, I hit the fly, but I didn't. That fly been giving you business, it, but I didn't kill it. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> TJ, well, the song really, when, when we did the song, I was explaining to Cole, the Jackie's, you know, well, he knows, but the Jackie's a, is a parkway that goes from Queens to Brooklyn. Hmm. And I'm like, growing up in Queens, when you used to go to like another borough to see a girl and you'd get to her block and you'd start getting the looks from all the dudes on the block. Like one dude might have been her first boyfriend, like this dude got a crush on her now. You know, hmm. one dude's her neighbor who's been crushing on her forever. And like, there's always that tension when you get on the block. And so then, you know, I was explaining that story to him and we're like, well, shit, we got to get another New York dude on here. Mm. Um, and TJ came, you know, repping the Bronx, so we had to do that. Definitely. Yeah, I remember, uh, like, when I lived in Astoria back in, like, 2003, 2004, that I met a Puerto Rican girl who lived in the Bronx, and she was talking about her neighborhood or whatever and i was like oh, i should pull up some time she was just like no <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, it's a problem you absolutely could not come to my block and i had she's explaining to me like my like my brother's a blood like all his homies like they would press you like they would like it just would not be some chill shit yeah i got my tire slash going to see some girl in the bronx back For real? in the day oh my god i wish i had a car back then I could have a story like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's real. Yeah. It's real. Don't go to another borough to see a shorty. <laughs> like, you get caught up. That was one thing that always amazed me living in New York all those years was just how many people I would meet who, like, were from 
Cheapside Bay, and they had never been to Manhattan. They had never been to Queens. Like they 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 went to Manhattan one time on a school field trip, and it was like something to talk about. Right, like a I've real never tale. seen the Statue of Liberty. Really, to this day, not really pressed to neither. Mm. That used to be my thing. Is that if I had to take a girl on a date, I would take her on the on the Staten Island ferry, and you could like see it, and that felt like it was something. That's smooth. Yeah. Cheap. It was free. That's a good, yeah, yeah. That's a good date. Yeah, I had no Get money. A little halal plate, little mm. little street meat. <laughs> then we got to sit on the train, go up to like 50th Street or some shit to get like one of those really famous halal places. Yeah, yeah. that's a good date right there for the low. Yeah, for sure. Nowadays, they want you to spend money on them. Yeah, you now you got to go to Nobu and shit. <laughs> so I hear. You get into that? What I mean, L.A. turned me into that a little bit. Mm, L.A. is it's unavoidable. There ain't no yeah. free date that I can nah. think of out here. No, we're gonna walk around the parks and we're gonna beat your ass. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you can't do none of that. <laughs> you can't do none of that. For sure. Wait, how long you been in L.A.? Like five years now, five six years. You're fully accustomed to it. You like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like L.A. Man, it's real comfortable. Mm. You know, and I, I was able to do a lot more. With the space here, like I got a studio in my crib. I was staying in the East Village before then. Mm. It was like six, seven of us in a three bedroom, like just grinding, trying to trying to get to this point. So, you know, as soon as I got a little space and I could kind of move my operation in house, it just made more sense. The whole question is, what's better for the music? Like the the struggle of sharing an apartment with a bunch of people, or the serenity of of being in LA and having a, a backyard and being able to walk outside and, and smell the flowers in the morning. I think it's probably the struggle. That's mm. why I still go home all the time. You know, I go home, I walk around, I take the train, I ride cabs, like no car service type shit. Mm. Um, I walk through the Lower East Side and bar hop, bunch of spots, just see what the vibes are. Like, that's what inspires me for sure. But, I, you know, you need a space to create. Like, I feel like L.A. is like a creative campus. Mm. You know, everyone comes here to to, to kind of unload all these things, all these inspirations they're grabbing from all over the world mm. link up with artists producers um you can't really do that in in new york you might be in a studio on the seventh floor and the artist you want to link with is like on the ninth floor mm. you know you don't you're not even gonna cross paths right you know whereas in la i can't tell you how many just random artists i ran into like in the hallway like yo i'll fuck with you i'll fuck with you too like let me get your math and then you know some can come from that there's like a certain uh energy in the air in new york that you just can't avoid you, can't, you yeah. wake up and you just gotta like get on it, it don't right. matter if you're on like three hours sleep it's just that fucking energy and then the way that everybody's forced to live where you're just you're like everybody else walking on the street and, and going to the same store to get a drink and shit like that it's just like la is so different because you could you could live in beverly hills for 20 years and you'll never have to see what's going on in skid row or compton or, or whatever like it's, it just feels like everybody's sort of separated into their classes way more right yeah, that's a fact. You should see New York right now is insane. Just because everybody wants Everyone's to be outside. Back outside. Mm. They're back outside with a vengeance, bro. <laughs> I if, hear. If you got a if you got a week, a few days, go go catch some of that energy. I just I did like that. a month back home. I couldn't leave. I was really? supposed to go for like a week. I just kept extending my shit. You just what would you describe as the thing that was keeping you there? Just the energy? The energy. Yeah, mm. it was so inspiring. You know what I mean? Here it's it's like you said, like I could be in the crib, I can go in my studio. I, I don't have to leave my house at all. I was staying, I had, to, I had a hotel on the Lower East Side, and it's like, I'm hearing the shit outside my window. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm hearing the, the bikes revving. I'm hearing the people in front of the, in front of the bars at, like, 3 a.m. I'm like, man, fuck this. I'm getting dressed. I'm going outside <laughs> right now. You know, like, I'm, I miss that energy. Like, something about hearing everything going on around you. You know, all the noise, all the sounds of the city, it just gets you outside. Yeah, definitely. 
Can you compare that to uh, like how much time? I know you you spent time in Paris and Sudan growing up and stuff. How mm-hmm. like contextualize that against the New York vibe or the LA vibe in terms of like what you would feel like going to spend time in those places now? Yeah, um, I mean, I still go off and Sudan is ill because Sudan is like you kind of always get to chill. You know, you know how we said the pandemic gave us like a second all chill. That's, that's normal pace there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's normal pace. Like you're chilling with family, you're chilling with, especially me. I can see all my elders. They got like stories. You know, the history of our whole family. You know what I mean? You're, you're learning so much. I'm seeing like, you know, I'm just getting to chill. It's it's really relaxing. It's like detox. You feel me? Like. Mm. Especially after touring for so much, like you just always need to chill. That's one of the reasons I left New York. Because mm. I was like, if I'm touring and I'm doing the after parties and I'm getting fucked up every night and then I'm coming home to New York and it's like tour times too, because I'm out now till like 8 a.m. every fucking night, I'm like, nah, this shit ain't sustainable. Right. You know? So I got myself out west and it, it you know, it was, it was like detox, bro. Have you been keeping an eye on uh, the protests that have been going on in Africa recently? I seen South Africa's going going up right now. I got a lot of homies in South Africa. Mad love for South Africa, first of all. Right. It's my favorite place to tour mm. in the world. I went to Cape Town for a week one time and just the like we were just out there riding bikes back in the day, but it just like occurred to me like holy fuck, like the, the the income disparity just like stood out to me so much that it just made me like so much more curious about learning about the history of the country and stuff and now seeing that they're having this uprising I mean, I know that on the surface it's just because the the president got locked up or or something along those lines, but he got he got like convicted. It's a lot of like ethnic beef out there, Mm. you know, because it's it's a lot of different ethnicities and a lot of like the political lines are are drawn along that. And I ain't like no expert. I just speak to a few of my homies out there. Yo, what's going on? It look it look crazy, and they trying to like kind of give me the give me the news. Um, But yeah, I guess I guess the ex president was got convicted on something. And but it's a lot of corruption out there, yeah. you know, like the, like their COVID, all their COVID relief from what I've heard, mm. all those funds like disappeared. You know what I mean? And so that's why they're so far behind with the vaccine. They're on what? Their fourth lockdown. They've been locked down two years. So I think it's a lot of things just boiling up to the surface. Like, yo, the, you know, the government been doing this greasy. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's bound to happen. Yeah, I think, like, the oversimplified version of it is just that the people are so fucking fed up with just everything regarding their circumstances and how unfair their society is and shit. Like, I watched this this clip on Twitter earlier today where a dude was, like, loading up TVs that he had just stolen from this this uh, business or whatever, and they're asking him why he was doing it, and it was, like, he, he was really saying, like, this is the first time that I've really felt free. Like, it's not about these possessions. It's not about, like, any specific reason that we're here. But, like, in this moment, I really feel like we're we're free. And, like, I actually feel the sense of relief of being able to even just make this small ceremonial gesture against the, the circumstances that I've been raised in. Right. I think you saw a lot of that here when with all the Black Lives Matter protests mm-hmm. that was going on. And that was, you know, that happened to coincide with the pandemic as well. It was just, mm-hmm. like, people being inside, being fed up. You know what I mean? And being able to, to use all that pent-up energy on something that was, like, really fucking bothering them. You feel me? So I feel like, you know, it's not it's not the same um, because they're, they're fighting a, for a different cause. But in a lot of sense, I mean, they have their whole history of apartheid, you know, which which is what only ended, like, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, that shit is, is super fresh. So there's a, it's hard when all these ethnic groups 
don't trust each other and there's nothing really unifying them. And from what I've seen, it's like their political parties are, are really drawn along these ethnic lines. Mm. Definitely, yeah. Like when you see like a bunch of kids looting a fucking footlocker, it's like they might not be politically minded necessarily, all of them, but you definitely understand that they just feel like they're part of a society that's set up against them where they don't have a voice, they don't have a chance, they don't have the the shot at changing their financial situation that like my parents took for granted. Like my parents knew they could go to college and be able to make buy a house buy a house buy a car have a family have more money than their parents had before them and that was like taken as a as a just a given and that is 100% not taken as a given for the generation now where it just feels like you're up against something that you can't possibly uh rise up against you know I just read something crazy this morning actually my homie sent me a link to this article it said that if you're making minimum wage you can't afford rent anywhere 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 it's like, yo, what are you supposed to do? Like, yeah. that's just, it's, it's wild. When man. I was making five and a half bucks an hour growing up working at the grocery store, that probably was true, too, in, like, the late 90s. You know, it probably, I don't I don't know that I could have had an apartment where I grew up making five bucks an hour either. Right. You know? Yeah, I was, what was I doing? I was working at a country club. Mm. That wouldn't have got me no crib. No. It would take a long time. Or, it would take but, a long time. But they want to convince you that, like, it's just a matter of you saving more money. Or right, you, you not buying that extra coffee. Right, right, working a little harder. Yeah, yeah, nah, that ain't it. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask about that video though is that I felt like I noticed like a very clear uh, swag upgrade because like I was watching your older interviews, like you're talking to Ebro, you're just wearing a t-shirt, right. and I'm watching that video. I'm like, oh, he got the Balenciaga jacket, he got his hair done, he got his sunglasses. I'm like. To you, was that a natural progression, or was that you kind of thinking like, all right, like rappers get fly? I'm gonna get fly for this video. Yeah, you know, I think it was like growing up in New York. That's what we did. Mm. You know, we just was always getting fly. Um, but I think sometimes you get a little comfortable. I think that's what I realized too. Like, I don't want to be doing no interviews and just a t-shirt. Like, treat it a little more seriously. You feel me? Mm. I think you know, and a lot of that is also the lifestyle. Like, we're going from tour to this to that and then you're like oh I gotta do this interview and you just kinda like show up like let me like let me do this and like and Ebro somebody I'm mad comfortable with it's like talking to the homie and shit mm. but definitely me and my team you gotta just be more image conscious whether you want to or not mm. you know whether that's what you naturally want to do or not like I said like we are in the music business like mm. this shit a lot of this shit is smoke and mirrors at the end of the day you feel me but that's are are you partially like influenced by the fact that the guy who kind of helped usher you into the game is like basically one of the kings of not giving a fuck about swag like that? Like yeah. Cole just don't feel like he has to play that game at all, and yeah. it's clearly working out for him. Yeah, but that's something we talk about too. Like yo, that's you know, we all kind of came in. There's a lot of things we do as Dreamville that that coming in we took, you know from Cole in a sense and then after a while you realize well shit like I would do shit differently I'll do shit this way I'll do shit that way so you start to do that you know you feel me it's like that's him but that's not necessarily me right you know so I think a, a lot of Dreamville figured that out and that's that's beyond just like artists you feel me like just even as as a, as a label as a company like now you're seeing people grow into their roles and 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 take ownership of that and be empowered and and that you know that's healthy for all of us right yeah i mean it's taken as such a given that people just 
dress real good and rap music that like I, I seen like multiple memes about that video the jackies that where uh people were just kind of like marveling at the fact that cole was just wearing like a regular hockey jersey or no chain or whatever and you and tj are dressed nice and shit and like you know that that people in rap like can't help but like be shocked and in awe of that yeah yeah, I think that, but that's part of like his legend. Cole yeah. has a very like unique legend, like mm. you know. So they want to see that. They want to be like, man, like Cole so humble. He don't got no jewelry on. It's like, yeah, like when he pulled up to my spot uh, on Melrose when we used to have the shop there. It was like the thing everybody was talking about afterwards was not partially. It was like, wow, what a nice guy. Like he was so cool and chill and taking photos with everybody. But it was also like. He didn't have a security guard. He didn't have. He was just wearing some regular ass sweatsuit. Like he just wasn't. His vibe was so peaceful, and he just didn't feel like he was trying to like justify his existence through his possessions at all. Which that was like the talking point yeah. once he left. That's what everybody was talking about. He it's had like, that phase though, low yeah. key. You know, we had them tours. Cole would have a bottle of Henny on stage <laughs> and the, and the iced out Jesus piece. You know what I mean? Right. And then and then he grew he grew past that. Mm. You know, I think. He earned that. He kind of got to that level where it was like, shit, I don't have to do nothing I don't want to do. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's not the reality for everybody. He had a uh, a fucking story that went kind of viral at one point where, like, a stylist gave him, you know. A, that, a, that same Gucci. Yeah, or Javinci, yeah. I think. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah Versace, something like that. And then, like, it was like BT French and Trey Song or some that shit day. both had it on, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that day. Bro, it was hot, but it was it was funny. Like yeah. we was all cracking jokes about that. I feel like I learned. I had like a. Sometimes I feel like very rarely. I think that, by the way, not to cut you off. I think that's where you saw the end of that for Cole. By the way, yeah. I yeah. think that very moment. That's what he said. Was like it's a wrap. I ain't yeah. playing this game no more. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, it's one thing to get fresh. I respect people who who want to dress nice and stuff. But when it comes to just listening to a stylist and just letting the stylist sort of create who you are so then you accidentally end up looking exactly like a bunch of other people it's like doesn't that take the whole point like the yeah. point of style or fashion if you're going to put attention or time into it is to have your own differentiate image. right and if you don't really give a fuck like that about the clothes then I guess at a certain point you're going to just end up wearing the same shit as everybody else yeah facts like I remember when I first like when I first started to like kind of get money I uh, bought this like Gucci windbreaker and then I felt like the industry or the the the, the universe actually kind of told me to fall back on that because then Cole had that one video where he was basically dressing and acting like a, a SoundCloud rapper or like a corny ass rapper, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know yeah. what jacket he was wearing in that video? That one. <laughs> yeah. That I, my first ever Gucci windbreaker. I'm like, this is weird. This this really feels That's like a message. The, That's the universe. The yeah, universe is trying to tell you me. that this is not it. Yeah. That's hysterical, bro. Kind of blew my mind. I don't know. Um, okay, so I also wanted to talk about, um, are, are you still like heavily invested in the Fiends brand? Because I yeah. never knew that that was your shit because I've yeah. seen people wearing it all over the years, over and over. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me and the homies. That's like our creative collective. It started like in the in the West Village in, in New York. We had this one crib called the Carter. Uh-huh. We just, it's just you called like, it the Carter? We called it the Carter. It had a crack house vibe? Kinda, <laughs> uh, we definitely crack? not actual crack, <laughs> but we definitely you know did our our fair like experimenting with drugs in that household. Oh, okay. Um, and at the time I had dropped out of college, my manager Derek was going to NYU, and he was like managing a basketball team. So they had this crib 
down there. We used to throw like parties on the rooftop, just go crazy. That's why I literally wrote my first raps yeah. on like some 6 a.m. faded. Let's open up Garage Man and, and start rapping type shit. So that's where that whole thing started. It was a creative collective. Then so then some people would be doing like videography. Like my first videos was one of the fiends. Some homies were doing production. You know, I was rapping. Some homies were doing marketing. So it kind of became like our our little crew in a sense. Uh-huh. So then when it came time to make merch, I was always like, man, I don't want nothing like with my face and name on it. Like, I, I thought that shit was corny because I don't really wear other people's faces on me unless it's like you got to be a legend you got to be like Bob Marley or some shit that was the first name that came to mind so you got to be like a real legend a real legend yeah Yeah. otherwise I'm not wearing your face so um we just kind of made that the thing and it's cool because now it's like a it's like a flag like my homie was like he hit me he was like yo I was in Seoul like in South Korea and, and I was like online for the club and I had a fiend shirt on and he was like these dudes were going in with like bottle service and they saw me and they just like pulled me in on some oh you fuck with the fiends type shit I get those stories all the time now like it's just been like wow. like a flag like people find each other and they be like oh like you fuck with it alright come on like I'm gonna hold you down type shit That's that'd dope. be the coolest part to me hell yeah I actually have a, a friend who has a bike company called Fiend and I don't know if you've ever like seen somebody wearing a shirt that said Fiend and you're like wow that's Weirdly similar. That's one letter away from my brand. I don't know if you ever spotted that. I haven't peeped it. It's a bike company? Yeah. Like like motorcycles? BMX bikes. Oh, fire. Yeah. We got to do something. They probably don't. Let's make a bike. They could do it. They make bikes. That'd be hard. (laughs) That'd be real hard. Yeah, you got to connect me. They could definitely do that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You fuck with the rapper Fiend? I'm not very familiar. Oh, okay. It was with No Limit back in the day, too. I was wondering if there's... said No Limit? Yeah. I was wondering if there's any synergy that ever popped up there nah okay can't say there is i feel you um okay so in terms of like where you're trying to go with the next releases uh off of like you know from this body of work that you're kind of dealing with and stuff like you have this project this this one song you're pushing super hard do you have other stuff that's in your mind in terms of like yeah uh, i got what the next with gunner that's gonna go crazy seriously yeah wow probably nobody expected to hear that I know. That's what I'm trying to do, man. I'm trying to do some unexpected shit, but I'm I'm bringing these people into my world, you know, so at the same time, my fan base could be like, damn, he did a track with TJ, but I fuck with it. He did a track with Gunna. Like you said, you know, Dreamville's probably associated, not associated with those type of artists. And in a way, I'm trying to break that mold. So shout out to Gunna. We got, honestly, I like that song better than the Jaggy. I, I almost led with that. Okay. Shout out to Gunner. Do you um? Did you actually get in the studio with him, or how, how nah, did that come about? it was over about? like it was over the pandemic. We got like mutual friends. Okay. Um, you know a lot of lot of homies in Atlanta. Obviously, we got Earth Gang and Jid in Atlanta, mm. and like their management. Shout out to Barry. Um, since the '80s, them homies they helped connect a lot of that. For sure, yeah. Like JID. Earth Gang. That's those are kind of artists that we sort of like think of you as being sort of on the same wavelength as I guess. But yeah, it's interesting to see you trying to branch out and doing stuff with somebody like Gunna. Like like when you think about Gunna, like he just kind of people think of him as being more of like a aesthetic guy rather than a lyrical guy. Bro, he be rapping his ass off though. Mm. Like he's really really fucking good. Like he's really good. Like he's a really good rapper. Like I think people sleep on that. Definitely. Um, okay, so what else do you have uh, going on in your life that you're excited about at this point or, or that, that's getting you hyped Man, up? I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, festival season's coming back around. Hmm. 
I'm dying to do some shows. I'm sure all my peers are. Just dying to get back out there, you know, see the fans, get high and shit, kick it with them. Mm. It's going to be a good time. Were you getting more or less high during the pandemic? Um, I'm probably getting more high. Right. I had less shit to do, mm. you know? These edibles, this has kind of become a thing for me during the pandemic. I don't know if you want any of these fucking 2020 yeah. rings, but, bro. Say word. Currency ate three of them on this podcast. How'd that go? He was pretty fucking high. Like, See, he, if even I get him. too high, though, I, I won't have much to say to you. Yeah. Not like not out of some, some malicious intent. I just be that high where I just be like, man, I don't even got the effort to speak. But I've seen that happen with people who are seasoned, like mega weed smokers, where they, they, they smoke weed immediately before the podcast, and they just get kind of weird, and they're just not really communicating the way that they normally would. Currency wrote it out great. He was just sliding like he was smoking his his shit the whole time but then the the gummies by the end of it set in like you could actually you really saw currency high as fuck which i think you always see currency at a a moderate highness level yeah right you never seen him sober Mm, yeah he's always a little high but like once he had eaten a few of those then he was definitely like at a different stage it was pretty impressive i'm gonna have to fuck with those yeah yeah for sure man I, i just heard that the fucking opiate deaths were up like 30% during the pandemic in America. I've seen that. They're putting fentanyl in everything, bro. Yeah. That shit's scary. That is the shit. Even in yeah. like non-opiates. Hmm. You can't really fuck with nothing these days. They're saying they put it in weed. I'm kind of confused about how and why that is happening, but. I've seen that. I've seen um, they're putting it in like coke and shit. Coke? Oh, cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That don't even make sense. No, that's the opposite yeah, reaction like, yeah. that you're going for when you do go. It don't make sure. no sense. I don't even know why you would do that, but they're really fucking the game up. Yeah. That, Stop putting fentanyl on this shit, man. Public service announcement. Motherfuckers trying to have a good time out here. I stopped uh, putting drugs on my nose before the fentanyl wave hit, but well, I guess actually that's not true. But, uh, but you know, like that, that just that to me now is like if I if that already if you didn't have a good reason to not be doing drugs like that, and that just yeah, stands out now. as you, such it's a, a it's a crapshoot. You playing the lottery? Yeah. Or get like a, a kit, test your shit. But like, right. you know what I mean. Niggas be in the middle of the club looking for the plug. Like who got a who got a kit on them? Now me and my friends. Stop friend. fucking with randos. <laughs> Wait, do they really be looking for the kit in the in the club? Nah, I'm just oh, saying it'd be tough. <laughs> no, it'd it be seems tough. hard like, to imagine. Yeah, it'd be too hard to pull that off. But so. now me and my friends talk about like remember back in the day when people would just give us a like Zans at shows and we just take yeah, them festivals, and shit. Like you take whatever people gave you. You take all kinds of five different drugs that five different people gave you. And when I think about that now, that's really pretty close to playing Russian roulette. Yeah, it's deadly. Yeah. It's deadly. People will do that. They won't take the vaccine, though. But they're, just, <laughs> they're gonna take some random drugs. You pro vaccine? I mean, I just want the world to get back to it. I yeah. can't tell nobody what to do with their body. I got vaxxed. Me too. You know, um, I got vaxxed and still got COVID. So I heard mm. that's crazy. I seen that. That Delta was, is out here. Yeah, I don't know. That shit was pretty crazy to me. I mean, like, what's interesting is that me and Wiz Khalifa have a mutual friend, AD, who just got tested. And he didn't have it, but he was terrified because Wiz got it and I got it. And he had just been spending a bunch of time with both of us. And so he was fucking tripping thinking that he got it. But I guess he didn't get it. And Wiz says he didn't have no symptoms, even though I don't think he was vaccinated. Maybe he tested for it? Yeah, he tested positive for it, though. Damn, that's crazy. You should be so lucky because, man, I was sweating my ass off fucking like you know I, I felt like death for like one day and then felt all right after that yeah but my homie had it he said it felt like a like a molly hangover 
Yeah. Is that accurate? It didn't have the like depression, misery, Kill dopamine. Myself. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, man, I don't miss that at all. No, nah, me neither. The Molly come down was a nightmare. Atrocious. Yeah. Once that started to consume my entire next day, that's when I was like, I, I got to hang this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. Mm. I feel you. When's the last time you did Molly? Let's get an exclusive here for the podcast. Man, <laughs> it's had to have been at least like, was it the Forest Hills Drive tour? There was one tour we went. The first time I went to Europe, or the second time I went to Europe with Cole, mm-hmm. it was a bunch of us like drinking Molly water every goddamn day. Every day. Pretty much every day. And then after that tour, I was like, I don't ever want to do this shit again. Yeah. In England, they're big on that. Or in Europe in general. Up. I was banged up every day. I was like, this ain't it. This ain't it. I was feeling good for like a few hours out of the day. And then the rest of it, I was just so banged up. Like, Molly oh. water is like weird branding where it's like, oh, it's water. <laughs> you're, you're hydrating yourself. It can't be that bad. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not it. It's not it. <laughs> for sure. You're going to have some songs about Molly water when the project finally drops? Um, I probably made those songs already. Mm. I don't know if I'm revisiting that period in life, you know, unless I really go searching for the source and mm. get some inspiration. But I ain't got no reason. Who knows how I'm at when these festivals come back, though? Mm. I feel like, you know, I'm a brand new nigga. I don't know what's going on. <sighs> yeah. Shit is crazy because, like, now that I don't do drugs, nobody ever mentions drugs to me or ever offers me drugs and shit. But I remember when I was doing drugs that people would be, people could just sniff it out on you and will just offer it's you a, drugs over and over. It is. And they can tell. Yeah. And, and when you're on them, everyone, it's like, you start thinking, like, damn, everybody in the world do drugs. Yeah. For sure. Especially, like, Coke out here. Where it's just, like, crazy. there really is so many goddamn people that are doing it real scary but you know what sucks about like i've been in enough situations where you're like in a club or a party or some shit and you're totally sober and i'm looking at girls that are on molly and thinking like if i was fucked up i would think that she was cool like that she was she was just having a good time and that that it really is not what you're looking at there. No. Like, actually, she belongs in the hospital right now. <laughs> she should not be somebody that you're thinking about making out with or something. Like, nah. once you see it from that sober perspective, I, I advise a lot of people, you got to go out sober and just see how fucking crazy people look when when you're in that environment. It'll make you think differently about the world, you know? Yeah, it's stressful mm. watching, being sober and watching people that's really fucked up. That should be stressing me out. Like and they're screaming in your face and they're so excited about something. And I'm just sweating. standing there like, what the fuck are you talking about? Sweating profusely. Yeah. Like, nah, bro, I don't, I don't got the same energy as you. Yeah. I don't feel it. Yeah. And then you think like, fuck, I got to take a couple of drinks or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> At least yeah, sort of get on your level. You can't up. be that bad right now. <laughs> I feel it. Um, all right. Anything you want the people to look out for? Anything coming down the pipe that you're excited about? Man, just go out and run it, run it up on the Jackie. We try and go all the way with that one. You know what I mean? We're coming back with more singles. Hmm. That's it, really. Everything Dreamville associated. Look out for that. For sure. Keep an eye out. I'm excited. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank you. Boz, no jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube. Producers are on the screen right now. Check us out on Patreon. Uh, like, comment, subscribe. And uh, appreciate each and every one of you.